Welcome to MAP, the bi-weekly market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. Mars makes it as easy as possible for you to get your pharmaceutical, medtech or digital health product to the market and of course get the price it deserves. My name is Stefan Walzer, I'm the founder of Mars and a health economist by training and working in the fields of market access, reimbursement, pricing and health economics already since 2004. And now let's learn about the market access and reimbursement systems around the globe. So in thinking about the German healthcare system, we obviously need to have in mind the private and the statutory health insurance system. Um, before really getting a bit further into the details, it's probably as well very important to get a kind of decent understanding, especially on the private health insurance uh, system and the different private health insurances in general, which I think is an important component also when we get into the discussions in a couple of minutes with Dr. Biermann from the Association of the Private Health Insurances. So generally, I think it's quite clear that health insurance is an extremely important protection for the individual as illness can strike anyone at any time. I think that's for no debate, I guess. Since 2009, there has therefore been a statutory obligation to take out health insurance in Germany, to be insured. It is linked to the place of residence. That's maybe as well important keeping in mind when either working, for example, outside of Germany and or also when thinking about the regional um, kind of insurances in Germany, especially when you might be statutory health insured. Private health insurances are rather an approach to financial security in the event of illness, and that is existing already in earlier centuries. The oldest private health insurance company, still in existence today, has its origins in 1843. So that's also something obviously keep in mind strongly and lately before the um, Saturday Health Insurance was even born. The Saturday Health Insurance dates back to the Bismarck area, probably most of you might as well know, with the social reforms of that time, health insurance for workers was established in 1883. Anyone who was not employed for wages and salaries was excluded from this protection. The foundation stone for our current dual system of statutory and private health insurance was therefore laid. So that was really the start of it, right? So it's also to understand a bit, which I think is also important when keeping in mind the potential reforms in the private and the statutory health insurance system. In the following years after the introduction and the decades afterwards, institutions were established on a private sector basis through which other groups of the population could insure themselves against illness. But coming back now to the current kind of situation, um, the Saturday Health Insurance Fund is clearly the larger of the two health insurance funds. I think that's probably as well what most of you might know. Um, the Saturday Health Insurance System insures about 90% of all people in Germany. The private ones, obviously, then the rest, which is roughly 10%. In numbers, that would mean that in 2020, at least, the GKV, so the Saturday Health Insurance Funds, will have about 73 million insured persons, of which only, and that's maybe a small important component when especially we might discuss about the financial part, only about 57 million are paying contributions. So where's the difference? The difference, especially maybe 
when discussing and presenting that with U.S. Americans. Uh, 16 million of those insured persons are covered as family members without having to pay contributions. That's also a big difference when we discuss uh, and also compare maybe internationally different private health insurance systems. So around 9 million people are fully insured in private health insurance. So a cool question, and we'll take that back as well in a couple of minutes with Dr. Biermann, is the kind of differences and maybe also the benefits from a private health insurance perspective, because obviously we want to see both sides of the story. I think we might get a bit further into the details, but at the end of the day, I think it's also important when keeping in mind um, for the um, contributions. I think one is the contribution from the um, statutory health insurance funds, that's premiums plus taxes, and in the private health insurance fund is capitalization. And I think there might also be some important differences in terms of calculation of contributions. The private health insurance, and that's also an important component, is also based on the income per person. So the compulsory insurance limit is the income limit up to which employees are subject to compulsory insurance in the statutory health insurance. It is adjusted annually, that's also important, by an ordinance of the federal government, government, so it's a so-called Rechengrößenverordnung, according to the development of wages and salaries. And as a result, it has risen almost constantly over the past 20 years. In 2001, the threshold was still around 40,000 euros annually. And in 2021, it was already 64,350 euros. There's one exception to this development in 2022. Due to the stagnating wages as a result of the COVID pandemic, it does not change compared to the previous year. So the continuous increase of the compulsory insurance limit is relevant for salaried employees because they are only allowed to take out private health insurance if their annual salary exceeds this limit. So that's as well an important component when thinking who might and is maybe insured in the private health insurance. I mean, this is on the one hand, it's let's say the population with a bit of a higher um, income to, to make it very simple. And on the other side, it's also civil servants, because civil servants are exempted from insurances. They can therefore decide for themselves whether they want to take out private or statutory insurance. However, civil servants receive the so-called allowance or contributions by the employer in a precisely defined amount to the actual treatment cost in the event of illness. There might as well be a gap, and that gap can then be covered by taking up private health insurance to match their individual allowance as well. But coming back to innovation, I mean, it is well known, at least across Germans, that at least there is a tendency, I would say, that some new procedures, innovative kind of procedures, not so much speaking about drugs, because I think the AMNOR process is clearly in place and the, the drugs are then available across the system immediately. But for medical innovations from a medical device procedures perspective, it's still the question why maybe those procedures might be available earlier in the private health insurance system. So let's discuss this with Bastian Biermann. He's the head of staff in Europe and special projects at the Association of the Private Health Insurance System. And he's based in the Brussels office. Perfect. Thank you, Dr. Biermann, for the availability. 
um, also to discuss the private health insurance in the context of the German system as well. And I think just to maybe start as well quite easily, can you please briefly describe the differences between the statutory, the GKV, and the private, the PKV systems in Germany? Yes, uh, great pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind invitation. Um, yeah, and of course, um, I, I would like to, to uh, express the uh, main differences between the dual system, which is quite unique on a European level. Well, talking about the German system on an international level is always uh, quite interesting. Um, since um, other member states of the European Union um, are not functioning on these um, two pillars. So um, on the one hand, as you've mentioned, um, Germany has the uh, statutory health insurance system, which is clearly the larger of the two health insurance pillars. It ensures about 90% of all people in Germany. And on the other hand, you have the private, uh, the private health insurance system um, about 10% of the, um, the German population. Um, around, um, yeah, 9 million people are currently um, insured comprehensively uh, in the private system. Um, plus, uh, we have uh, around 23 million people with a supplementary private health insurance as an additional cover to the, to the public scheme. Um, one of the main differences I would like to, um, to underline uh, is, of course, that the, the public scheme, so the statutory health insurance system, is actually composed of persons insured compulsory, um, whereas the private system consists of people insured on a voluntary basis. So this is um, one of the main differences. Um, then we have to consider the, um, the system of financing, um, which differs significantly. Um, the public scheme is based on the so-called uh, pay-as-a-go uh, system, and the private health insurance is financed by capital cover with aging reserves. Um, contributions in the statutory scheme are um, income dependent, in private health insurance, contributions are, um, we say, risk adequate and based on the um, individual contract between the insured person and the private health insurer. Yeah. Um, another point uh, we can underline is the, um, the catalog of benefits, which is defined by law in the public scheme. And uh, we have to consider that subsequent restrictions are possible in the area of benefits. And in the private sector, the scope of benefits is, um, is private and individually agreed. So the contract cannot be canceled by the insurer. Um, so there is therefore kind of security of benefits. Um, the billing um, is another main difference between the two systems because billing in the um, statutory health insurance is based on the principle of benefits in kind. This means that um, public insured persons receive medical services uh, without having to pay for themselves in advance. So the service providers like doctors, hospitals, they are not billing with the patients, but with their health insurance funds 
the so-called German Krankenkassen. And this um, system differs from the uh, principle of reimbursement practice in private health insurance, but also in the social health insurance systems of um, some other countries, for example, in France. Here, patients first pay the service providers and then they have to, um, their expenses being reimbursed by the health insurance <coughs> they have chosen. So I think um, these are yeah, the most important uh, differences between the two systems. Yeah, I think you have nicely laid that out, especially I think with with the let's say not only the difference in terms of population, but I think also the the let's say the, the various aspects also from let's say maybe procedural perspective you want to call like that. Mm. Um, I mean, you have as well as let's say expressed early on that obviously this is very unique what we have in Germany, especially mm -hmm. when you compare the internationally. Um, so if we take a system like, for example the UK NHS system, but I think we have other NHS systems as well across Europe. What are then the core benefits of such a system where we have that kind of duality between the statutory and the private health insurance systems? Well, of course, um, talking about the, the private health insurance system, um, we have to consider that privately insured persons contributed, for example, in Germany. I think in 2019, around, for example, 33 billion euros to the healthcare system. And this is 12 points, I think, 7 billion more than if they had been insured in by the statutory system. So this is because the treatment is subject to a few restrictions and usually higher fees. And this helps doctors and clinics, of course, to ensure good quality of care for all patients, not only patients insured in the private system. So on average, each doctor's practice would lose around 55,000 euros per year without this additional turnover. So psychotherapists, midwives, and other medical professions also benefit from this. And this is one of the main advantages I'd like to address when talking about international comparison. Talking about the National Health Service UK, we have a tax-based system Uh, where those turnovers, those surpluses for doctors or clinics are not possible. So private health insurance opens uh, the door to medical progress. It does not have, let me say, um, any approval requirements for innovations and um, no budget limits for doctors um, because private health insurance in Germany enables The, um, the rapid, the quick introduction of new methods in order to, to help all patients, right? Um, one of the, the main principle of private health insurance is the building of aging reserves. And this is another huge advantage because care systems in which the young have to help pay for the elderly are, are already reaching the limits. So I think there's no doubt we have to face demographic challenges. And in our aging society, with more and more pensioners and fewer and fewer people in work, this problem this, uh, will be further sharpened. So it's good to have at least those with private health insurance um, make their own, let me say, financial provision for the health costs in old age. What does it mean? Um, 
Private health insurance in Germany have to build up age provisions, so-called aging reserve. The insured person pays slightly more when they are young and healthy, and there's no, no need every day to join a doctor's practice or go to hospital. So they have to pay um, less, and when they get older, they have to pay slightly more. And in order to pay slightly less when they get older, they can participate from their aging reserves. I think this was, this was clear. So when in the later years of life, the calculated costs for healthcare benefits are then higher than the amount paid in, this gap is covered by withdrawing sums from the aging reserves. And the details of setting up these aging reserves are regulated in the insurance supervisory law in Germany, so-called um, BAG. And from my point of view, as you have mentioned, um, the comparison to other systems, this fund coverage should be extended to many more people and benefits. Yeah, I think I, I think that's a, that's really an important point here. I think I, I just want as well to pick up, I think, what you said also, let's say a bit earlier on that part of the question. I think you mentioned progress. I think the, 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 the proportion, what also the private health insurance might take in terms of um, the improvement in health care. So in the future, we'll call it maybe innovation. So um, could you maybe as well specify here even a bit further when thinking about innovation, how the private health healthcare system or the peak the PKV system could basically support product innovation? Um, yes, I think um, to make it brief, there is no approval requirements as with the um, so-called GBR in the statutory health insurance system. This is the, the federal joint committee. Secondly, we have no budget limits for medical care. And then um, we have to mention, of course, the, um, the speed, which is quite, uh, quite faster than the innovation in the public scheme. In an international comparison, um, the German healthcare system offers all insured persons a high level of care and rapid participation in medical progress. However, and this is the point, there are major differences in the point in time at which physicians in private practice can bill health insurance for modern treatment methods. Let me give an example. Um, private health insurance have reimbursed the new methods approved by the Federal Joint Committee, the so-called GBR in Germany, between 2010 and 2019, between I think four and over 20 years earlier than the statutory health insurance system. And unlike the public health insurance funds, so-called Krankenkassen, the private health insurance companies are not subject to a statutory approval procedure for cost reimbursement. So medical need is sufficient as a basis here um, the decision is made by the individual doctor and patient and is not centralized. Finally, there is, um, let me say, there is more room 
in the private health insurance system for doctors' freedom and therapy for patients, decisions to agree to, to new treatment and examination procedures. So this is um, one of the main differences we have to consider when thinking about innovation um, in these two systems. And then I would like to, to underline finally um, the, the venture capital fund raised by private health insurers in 2019 in order to support young startup companies in the health sector. Um, we have raised then 100 million euros to provide <clears throat> or which are provided by German health insurance companies in order to support young startups um, on national and European level um, in order to, um, to improve the healthcare system because we have currently many, many developments in the digital area, for example. Um, so this is another possibility private health insurance has um, compared to the statutory scheme as a part of the social system in Germany. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's what really. I think one of the cool things. I think you mentioned already. I think the sometimes really difficult and long-lasting kind of processes, especially when thinking maybe, maybe about the so-called methods, right? I think mm. um, medical devices methods like that. I think you also brought up let's say digital innovation. I think yes, we have now the DIGA processes, which is one thing, but obviously we all know as well. I mean, if it's going to the let's say risk class two B or three, then mm. we are basically ending up again in the methods evaluation by the GBA, which might take quite a while. Um, sure. I mean, if, if I take that maybe a bit further and that we can get it maybe more, um, let's say, practically, right? I mean, how, how could a, a company with a medical device or maybe with a digital health innovation, um, maybe risk class 2B, for example, could really launch, for example, firstly in the private healthcare system before maybe the product would be available in the uh, statutory health insurance system, I was especially more thinking. I mean, I mean, in the let's say we have what is it around a hundred health insurances in the private health insurance as well. I mean, that's the national let's say association, obviously. But how how could a company really take that on board and really move that maybe forward if they say, you know what, the GKV system is too long for me. I need mm. to have, for example, already more cash, especially the, the small startups early on. So I would focus on the private ones. Mm. Well, um, in, in Germany, um, reimbursable medical devices are, yeah, are financed by different groups of people, of, of facilities and payers. And for the outpatient sector, for example, there are two separate systems for regulating the reimbursability of medical devices, one for the statutory health insurance system and one for private health insurance. And in the outpatient sector, for example, so-called practical requirements play a role. In the, um, in, the, in the inpatient sector, on the other hand, uh, the assumption of costs for medical devices follows uniform rules. And yeah, I can try to give some examples of medical devices initially, initially reimbursed only by the private scheme um, without being to technical now, there is one of the um, examination in the area of tumor diseases, a so-called PET-CT, so computer tomography. Um, and this is 
This examination makes a reliable and early diagnosis possible. The um, attending physician can then choose the best treatment for the patient. So this PET-CT is one example. Another example is, for example, um, uh, to be found in the area of diabetes. Um, the new applications around so-called, um, um, how to say, short-acting insulin analogs, they are reimbursed by private health insurers. Um, in German, it's the Kurzwirksame um, Insulin Analoga. Uh, in English, it's, it's something like short-acting insulin analogs, um, which are being reimbursed by private health insurers. And then another point um, I can raise here is the um, so-called capsule endoscopy, which is not re reimbursable in the uh, statutory health insurance scheme. So um, these are three, only three of the, um, of the possible reimbursements launching in the, uh, in the PKV system. That's, uh, I, I think, really impressive kind of examples. I, mean, <laughs> I, I know a couple of those <laughs> in, in detail as well. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, and just maybe just if possible, um, because we got that question a couple of times now, um, there are those hundreds of private health insurances. So is it then rather something where you say, look, I mean, I want to go that pathway because I have maybe seen a quite good analog for my case as well in the private health insurance, uh, health insurance system. Um, would I then firstly um, contact the national association of the private health care system? Or would you rather say, mm, you know what, first convince maybe one of the private health insurance companies, and then you could probably roll it out to the others as well? Well, um, there's the possibility to, um, to go to, um, to uh, those two paths. Well, we have um, uh, different committees within our association of uh, German private health insurers. And those committees, they um, are facing um, new developments on the market um, in terms of reimbursement and in terms of advantages for patients. So um, when talking firstly to a private health insurance company, the company would advise to ask the association of private health insurance since we have there are common committees, which is basically um, joined by all the private health insurers we have in Germany. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, I think, also from, from a procedural perspective, I guess. That was, yeah. um, I think, very, very perfect. I think already just to give a kind of quite nice overview, let's say, from the system perspective, but then also going more, let's say, into a micro level from a product perspective. I mean, to wrap it up, I mean, where I have now <laughs> November, November 2021, um, and uh, currently we have the three parties still in coalition negotiations, but there might be quite soon after a new government in place in Germany. What are your expectations from a healthcare systems perspective and obviously from a private healthcare uh, systems perspective with that new government? Uh, well, of course, um, we have the expectation um, that the new federal government um, is um, going to continue the dual system as already agreed by the way in the exploratory talks i think um we all um threw an eye on the on the first uh paper we have seen after the three parties um have been 
exchanging point of views for the first time. So it's the continuation of the dual system. It's one of the core expectations we have, of course. Then um, we would like to see a real stop of the um, ever-increasing federal subsidies for statutory health <coughs> and statutory long-term care insurance. Um, the taxpayers <coughs> are more and more responsible um, they're not responsible, they have to pay the, the increasing prices. And from our point of view, this is not the way we should deal um, the demographic, with the demographic change because it's, it's the other generation, the younger, younger generation, who have to pay the bill. And this ever-increasing <coughs> federal subsidy is um, more or less based on the taxes so um, this is not really fair um, in terms of the generations we have in Germany. Um, another point uh, we would like to see uh, is a kind of promotion of private and corporate provision, especially for long-term care. Yeah, um, I've mentioned the demographic change we have to face a couple of times now, but there is no real solution um, when we have a look at the new long-term care reform, by the way. Um, this is not really uh, a solution to face this demographic change because who, who should pay the whole reform? This, the taxpayers, they have to be uh, um, liable. They have to pay the bill. And from our point of view, this has not, not, nothing to do with capital cover in a fair, uh, in a fair way, which um, is serving all generations in Germany. And then, of course, um, a point uh, which is quite important for private health insurance, the um, implementation of the new um, medical fee schedule, so-called Gebührenordnung für Ärzte. Um, there's already a consensus between the, uh, the, the doctors and the uh, private health insurance companies available, but we need the political go. We need the green light for the implementation of this uh, new medical fee schedule. And then I think um, we can talk about, or we should talk about legislative measures to stabilize the development of private health insurance premiums, because um, uh, there are no real possibilities for private health insurance um, so far with view on the current uh, legislation to stabilize the, um, the contributions or premiums in the private scheme. And so these points, I think um, are the most important issues we would like um, to talk about. Yeah, I think that's a really good summary. And I think it also shows quite clearly that there's really still a lot to do, I think, in terms of improvement generally on the healthcare system, not only when we think about the statutory health insurance system, but I think you brought up a couple of very, really important and good points, especially when we think about the duality in the system, what sometimes people as well tend to forget. Perfect. Thank you very much, Dr. Biermann, um, for that really nice introduction, good kind of insights into the private health care system in Germany. I'm looking forward to maybe as well further uh, possibilities to speak and discuss together. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Deep and great insights from Dr. Biermann on the private health insurance system. So, um, was also a bit on the comparability and the comparison between the private 
and this is to do how to children's fund and i guess you have already heard a bit that there's also a bit of let's say competition between those two systems quite obvious i think an important component also maybe is the political side also when you think as an industry maybe to firstly approach the private health insurances because there's always the need also for the private health insurances to show and as well um, let's say underline their existence why is that because the social democrats the greens and the left party so two of those are now in charge of government and they want to abolish that duality of certificate and private health, health insurance system and to introduce a single kind of system not so much i guess like an nhs i think that might also be from a legal perspective quite difficult i personally would say but it's at least let's say further uh, let's say change that kind of system that the private health insurances are no more let's say be available maybe only for the maybe call it the wealthier um now we have the new government with the social democrats the greens but also with the liberals and within the coalition agreement it was at least agreed that there is no change so far on that duality still i think with our new minister of health i think professor lauterbach is well known at least in germany that he is also let's say not a big supporter if you want to call it like that of the duality of the system so one needs to see if that might maybe still already be some changes in the near future but coming back to the innovations in the private health insurance fund i think dr beerman said it quite clearly i think there are and especially in the medical device procedures areas opportunities to maybe approach firstly the private health insurances as there's no approval system like the one with the gba however there is then a so-called um, assessment committee within the association of the private health insurance fund who is then which is then as well approaching assessing then that new kind of procedure in order to check the reimbursement let's say for the private health insured as well important also here there's no budget limit for medical care and the private health insurance system and i think there's also the quite clear evidence of speed to the availability of innovation i think for me the most prominent example because i was working as well in the past in my early early days of my career on capsule endoscopy um, we tried to uh, let's say develop the kind of argumentation for the statutory health insurance fund and now just a few years from now so after the, those 15 20 years dr beerman has already said it was now finally available in the statutory health insurance fund system but it was already obviously i would say available in the private health insurance system many years before That was an episode of MAP, the market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. MAP is available every second week with a new episode, so watch out. And in case you might have questions, contact me directly and or visit our website on www.marketaccess-pricingstrategy.de.